0: uh Let's pray, Holy Father. Uh, thank you for this evening. Uh, thank you for uh, the rain and the sunshine and uh, your good grace to to all people. But above all, we're thankful for your Son, uh, for uh, the redemption that we have in Him, for uh, His once-for-all perfect sacrifice. And I pray that we'd grow in the knowledge of your Son uh, and that we would uh, know you all the more through Him by your spirit and we pray that you'd be with us and uh, that you'd help us and uh, teach us and uh, that we'd have uh, open hearts and minds to uh, receive and believe your word and we pray these things in your son's name amen Amen. all right so we've been taking a little detour now you guys haven't been here Mm -hmm. uh, but you really haven't, I don't think you've missed any Genesis. So, <laughs> so he took a little, little break and went to uh, back to John. And last week we were just building on, so you have these six days, three days of preparation by John the Baptist, and then uh, three days of John the Baptist fades to the background. And now the result of his testimony goes forth as Jesus is calling disciples to himself. And now his disciples are... Uh, going forth and Andrew goes to Peter his brother uh, and says we've found the anointed uh, and uh, then Jesus calls Philip and he goes to Nathanael uh, I think if you read at the end Nathaniel was from Cana uh, same place where they went for the uh, for the, the wedding uh, six days after John the Baptist started his uh, started the, the preparation uh, heralding uh, the coming of the anointed uh, king and his baptism and they were, uh, Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding at, uh, Cana, Nathanael's hometown, and it was just, uh, somewhat north of, uh, Nazareth, uh, not, not too far away from where uh, the Lord grew up, and his mother was there, which would be appropriate, <laughs> and just little details like that, uh, all of the, the geographical locations, and even, even sometimes just, like, backwater villages and such, uh, uh, the Bible took place in space-time history. Uh, all of these events, and you go read like the apocryphal Gospels. I remember listening to some lectures where most of them name no locations, and those that do maybe name Jerusalem. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, golf clap. You know, uh, <laughs> us from like Minnesota. Uh, you know, two thousand years uh, later, and even longer for some of the events. Oh, so you know, uh, we heard it out. <laughs> You know, some of us could take you and show you, you know. <laughs> so. Find on a map. after a
1: little while.
0: Yeah, but uh, they, they had intimate knowledge of all these villages, and they just uh, told the story, you know, the true story. And when you tell the story, there are a lot of place names and a lot of locations, you know, over time. And uh, even the, the names of the people. Uh, Peter Williams, I'll have to maybe post that lecture again if any of you haven't seen it. Uh, He just even goes through some of the recent like evidence and such they've been looking at uh, just tallying up uh, all of the names from ossuaries and from Josephus and uh, Jewish names from like Judea and Egypt. And guess what? They're named different things. And so like the most popular names uh, for uh, males uh, in Judea, uh, you take the most popular names uh, and you take the most popular names uh, from Jews in Judea from the New Testament. Guess what? There's a strong correlation between them, <laughs> uh, and and uh, the more names you take, the stronger the correlation. And now women, not as many women are mentioned, but there were a lot of women named Mary, <laughs> uh, and that wasn't that wasn't just uh, the New Testament, you know, just that they were you know really uncreative or something. Uh, no, that was their parents. <laughs> there were a lot of a lot of Marys, so, uh, which I don't know was that maybe named after uh, Miriam. You know, uh, some of them, and kind of how it comes through in uh, in Greek. Uh, I think like Mariamne, so sounds sounds a lot like Miriam. And so uh, you have the wedding at Cana. He performs this uh, great creative miracle, the one through whom all things were created, and apart, well, all things came to be, and apart from whom nothing came to be. That has come to be the uncreated Creator now uh, incarnate, now tabernacles among us, dwells among us. Uh, and he performs a miracle, filling the six uh, jars on the sixth day with uh, turning the the water uh, into to wine. Uh, kind of a foretaste of, of the kingdom and his provision uh, for this uh, wedding. Uh, similar to his provision for the, the man and the woman all the way back in uh, creation. Uh, and so where it says that uh, in the beginning uh, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning... God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Which God are we talking about? Go back to Genesis, you know, find out. Uh, And so then we were looking at uh, where he went with his uh, disciples. And now you all weren't here, so maybe we'll just read quickly through it. We won't go through it in detail. Uh, But you then have a, a Sabbath uh, feast, uh, the Passover, and so kind of picking up with this, he spent not so many days. So it's not a it's not a strict week, but uh, shortly after you have the Passover, and then as John kind of highlights these important events, you have these six days inaugurating. Shortly after, you have the Sabbath feast, uh, Passover, uh, and he goes uh, to the the temple and finds all these animals and such uh, again echoing back to, to Genesis uh, you have the man the woman and the garden and uh, all of the, the animals within the garden that uh, the man named and such and then you have this the animals they were selling mm-hmm.
2: kind of ties in with the animals in Genesis
0: yeah yep uh-huh. yep uh, so did, uh, John's making some of those connections and then some of the, the signs that go along are to, to echo back uh, all these themes uh, from the start he starts with in the beginning it kind of makes you think of, you know, something, you know, what what book is that? Mm-hmm. Uh and, and then you have the six days Sabbath feast uh in the the garden like if you read in Ezekiel and such. Uh it was actually exalted. It was God's holy hill. Uh and so uh here in this place where God would appear to them, uh his provide uh well his presence with his people, his provision, uh his blessing, uh, and they were to uh, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the whole earth. Not not just the garden, but the whole earth. And uh, subdue uh, all of the creatures and such. And serve as God's uh, vice regions uh, over uh, over the earth. Uh, and so, here as, as you read through, you have this wedding. Uh, and then uh, you go up now to, uh, he goes up to the, the temple, to Jerusalem. Uh, and here you have like the animals and such. And you kind of think of the, uh, the first man. And now there are other connections elsewhere in the Torah and throughout the Bible. So you'll see connections to creation. You also see, well, connections to the Passover, uh, Sabbath. You know, uh, think of rest and the seventh day uh, in God's uh, presence uh, with his people in the garden. And then uh, you have the, the Passover and the, the Exodus throughout. And he'll even draw numbers as we read from this with the animals at the temple uh, where he talks about the uh, the serpent, the bronze serpent that Moses raised up, and now that uh, the son is going to be raised up. Uh, and some of that uh, drawing into numbers, but that also echoes back again to uh, to Genesis, uh, some of those things that are woven throughout the uh, the the Torah. Uh, and so here you have like the the first man, and woman, and he names the beasts, and you have that marriage. Uh, and then the the serpent uh, comes along uh and well you, you have the the Satan, uh, the adversary uh who uh comes in the form of the serpent uh to uh to deceive them uh and uh to 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 speak to them uh, and to uh, try to cause them to rebel against God to overthrow uh god's rule uh, and the rule of his vice regions so uh, he could seize uh, authority and power uh and uh, what happens? Well the woman listens to the serpent. And then the man to his wife, and nobody listens to God. And so they rebel. They listen to the creature rather rather than the creator. They listen to the creature that God put them over. Instead of listening to God. <laughs> that's that's pretty embarrassing. I mean shameful, utterly so. Uh and so God's given you this great authority and you listen to the creature rather than the creator. Uh, and so but now, he goes into the, the temple and sees uh, that they've made it into basically a big marketplace uh, right on the Temple Mount where God is uh, to be worshipped, uh, where uh, prayer is to come to him from his people, uh, from uh, all nations. Some of the other uh, biblical authors emphasize that, you know, that it was supposed to be a house of prayer, uh, drawing from like Isaiah and Jeremiah and such. Uh, but they turn it into a marketplace just to enrich themselves, uh, which uh, distracts from the worship of God, bringing it right up to the temple temple mount. Uh, and uh, now Jesus then starts over turning tables and driving the animals and such out of the temple. It's like, that's what the f- first man should have done uh, when the, the serpent comes along, you know, and the woman, don't listen to it. Uh, don't listen, drive it out. Uh, put it to death uh, for for its rebellion. Anything but but rebel against God. Uh, but the the son, in his zeal, uh, starts uh, driving them uh, out of the the temple. You see his zeal for his father's uh, father's house, uh, echoing to. Let's see. It's a Psalm. Oh, did I lose my? Here it is. Uh, psalm sixty nine, verse ten, which is a Davidic psalm. Uh, and sometimes when they draw, like on the Psalms and such, you you have this expectation of a Davidic heir, uh, and even a greater David. Uh, sometimes in the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, God says, "I'm sending my servant David." Well, David's dead, and so it's expecting an heir, an heir to come. Uh, and so, sometimes when they draw on like a, a Davidic Psalm, uh, Psalm 69, verse 10, uh, here it connects, uh, David with his heir, uh, with, uh, the greater heir, uh, and so showing where David, uh, those characteristics that were righteous of David, that were good, uh, as a believer, uh, a man who was, uh, a man after God's own heart, uh. They will purposefully you see these connections providentially in Jesus' own life uh, to show that he's he's the Davidic heir, he's the greater David, uh, he's uh, the heir, the offspring who now uh, brings uh, the the fullness uh, and permanency of the everlasting throne in dynasty and house. Uh, and you see God's faithfulness through Hezekiah and Josiah and throughout the years. But ah, uh, they. Uh, they lost uh, the throne, they lost the uh, uh, the kingdom uh, the The temple was destroyed, and uh, now there 's no king sitting on the throne and so now uh, he comes and you 'll see these uh, connections sometimes where it wasn 't uh, just looking to uh, one individual, no reference to David or anything like that. but there are all sorts of different ways that they 'll use scripture, all sorts of rich uh, different ways, uh, sometimes just a singular future. Uh, uh, prediction or not prediction, but proclamation of what's to come. God God doesn't make predictions, uh, and so. Uh, but sometimes just providence in uh, connecting him with Israel, uh, with the uh, the people, uh, uh, with even like his infancy, where they tried to kill the uh, the young children, like under two. Herod tries to destroy him, and you think back to the life of Moses, uh, and so uh, these things that would. They make you think about Israel's history and the connection that God is at work uh, uh, now. And so, let's just read through this part, and then we'll work uh, into the section with uh, Nicodemus. And we have the uh, our class from last week posted online. And so, notice his zeal and how uh, his disciples believe the scriptures or they came to believe, uh, the scriptures and his word. So those are two witnesses, the scripture and uh, Jesus' uh, word. And so, uh, verse 12. Chapter
1: 3?
0: Oh, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 12. And then we'll be gone into 3. After this, so after the, the wedding and the first of his signs, uh, he went down to Capernaum, And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So Psalm 69 uh, verse verse 10. And speaking about uh, the temple, doesn't just call it the temple or the house of God, my father's house. This is my father's house uh, where uh, His presence dwells with his people, in the midst of his uh, people, and he manifests his presence uh, in their midst. So his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Uh, So uh, the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. And so now he drives them out, You see see his zeal for his father's house, the temple. But then destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now talking about, as John says, the temple of his body, uh, he speaks in parables. uh, Both to conceal and to reveal. And now by the time those three years come up, and he's put to death, uh, the religious leaders even say they remembered he said that he'd you know rise after three days and raise up this temple, and so they posted guards, consulted with Pilate, posted guards, so you know his disciples don't take away his body, and you know the uh, the decept- the second deception will be worse than the first, so even they eventually you know figure it out
2: that was all the information they had well, just him saying that
0: well, his teaching over the three years uh he he raises that uh a number of times okay, uh, and yeah. then maybe even like with his trial and such uh so they they finally make uh make the, the, ca- the connection, connection that there. that okay there could be you know a greater deception well, we we don't want that uh and so uh, but yeah he he speaks both to conceal and to reveal that's the same as his uh his parables but after he was put to death and all the, the signs that he performs in the teaching, you know, before his disciples over these years in the scriptures uh, and opens their hearts and minds to uh, to understand, believe those things. Uh, that uh, after his death and resurre- uh, burial and resurrection, uh, there's absolutely no mistaking uh, all that he taught and, and said uh, along the way. But you always, you see this uh, confusion, uh, even with the religious leaders uh, where he came to his own, and his own. Uh, well, no, he he came to. Uh, the world was created through him, uh, and he went came to the world. Uh, but the world uh, did not know him, did not recognize him. Uh, he uh, went to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, who were born born of God, uh, and so, even with John the Baptist beginning his testimony, they come out. Who are you? Who are you? You know that you're preaching out here are you are you the the anointed the the Christ messiah are are you the the prophet are you elijah who are you and so you, you see confusion uh throughout uh, throughout and that continues throughout uh, throughout the uh, the gospel uh, and more and more it's shown to be uh not just not just the concealing and revealing of parables in the scripture and such but hard hearts you know if you have a hard heart well they have every reason not to believe. Uh, they, they see all the signs and wonders, and they're still asking for a sign. You know, they're, they're, nothing, uh, nothing could make them uh, repent and uh, turn, uh, turn uh, to Christ. And so, now his zeal for his father's house, you know, this earthly uh, temple, but now speaks about the temple of his body. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us you know, God's dwelling places, his his tabernacle. And so now uh, he tabernacles, uh, taking on humanity, uh, and dwells uh, in the very midst of his people and his disciples, uh, revealing uh, his glory that he had from all eternity, his glory he had with the Father. And so, uh, verse 21, but he was speaking about the temple of his body, When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remember that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, uh, when he was in Jerusalem, so kind of have a a new uh, segment, a new new section introduced, uh, still connected with Jerusalem uh, with the Passover feast, same time frame. uh, But uh, this is going to lead into with uh, Nicodemus. So now uh, when he was in Jerusalem, at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Sounds like a good thing, right? Many believed. That's, that's the point, right? Uh, so many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Uh, but uh, Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them uh, because he knew all people and needed no one. Uh, to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man and so you see this testimony the testimony, his own testimony uh, the words that the father gave him to, uh, to speak and proclaim uh, the works he gave him to perform uh, the scriptures and you even see his disciples at Cana they, they saw the sign and they believed they, they saw his glory he manifested His glory to His disciples, and they believed uh, in Him. And it was the first of His signs, and then they believed uh, after He was raised from the dead. Well, they remembered the the scriptures. They remembered He had said this, and they believed His word and the scriptures. So they believe His works. Uh, they believe His words. Uh, they believe the scripture, uh, the word of the word of God. But here. Says that they they saw the signs. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. You see again and again where he'll say, Okay, if you don't believe me, believe because of the signs. You know, he came to perform these works to reveal his glory, his glory from the Father uh, that they sent him, but the signs aren't enough. If you will not believe Jesus' own words, if you will not believe, uh, the the scriptures uh, that he fulfills. Believing the signs isn't enough. Uh, even Deuteronomy thirteen eighteen a uh, test for a true prophet uh, in contrast to a false prophet. Uh, yeah, if they come along and perform, uh, if if a, a a prophet comes along and performs a, a sign or a wonder, uh, if the thing does not come about or co- uh, come true, uh, which they well which that's eighteen I think where the sign doesn't come about. But even if it comes about in 13, and doesn't come about and come, or it does come about and come true, or the, the sign, you know, they perform great signs and wonders. But if they contradict the word of God that was revealed, they're a $2 bill. Reject them. You shall not be afraid of him. You shall put that prophet to death. Uh, and so you have these tests. And so even there, the signs weren't enough. Yes, God performed signs and wonders through His prophets and apostles, and, and ultimately uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ—more uh, signs and wonders than uh, any one uh, individual uh, has has ever performed. Uh, and then those that they even they perform—they perform only by His power through His Spirit that He and the Father sent. Uh, and so, that is true testimony. Uh, Those are true signs, but if it contradicts the word of God, if it contradicts the the scriptures, they're a false prophet. And so they're just believing in the signs, but they will not believe it. Uh, Time and time again, through John, you'll see those who believe the signs, but don't believe his word, don't believe the scriptures. And so they don't even know who he truly is. They don't even understand who they're dealing with. It's just some some miracle worker uh, who's come about.
2: Right. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about you know it says many believed here, and normally Jesus has a lot of people around him. Mm-hmm. But in Acts it says, and then I remember like well, anyways, in Acts it says that there's 120 pretty small gathering around Jesus. In, in, in Jerusalem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it says you know isn't that believers in Acts? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I suppose there could be believers that aren't gathering with him. But
0: yeah, you had like the Gerasene demoniac, you know. He probably probably wasn't in Jerusalem at the, at the time. Oh, okay. and you,
1: the a few
0: you know, you, you have the <laughs> the, first, the Canaanite course. woman, you know, and such. And such. There, right. there, there, there are people who maybe couldn't, who maybe weren't Jews or maybe couldn't make it to the feast. Although some of them, they still need to hear about the resurrection uh, to come uh, that, uh, that came to place. But so maybe some couldn't make it to the, the pilgrimage uh, feast. But men w- were generally required, uh, Jewish men, to uh, come to the three pil- pilgrimage feasts during the year uh, if they could uh, could make it. Uh, and so, yeah, you have a pretty small group of uh, believers uh, gathered there uh, in the beginning. And by the time you get to John 6, uh, many of his disciples and also those who were seeking him. And for the recording, I'm making Cody fingers <laughs> <laughs> so so-called so-called you know so-called disciples so-called seekers they all leave they all abandon uh and and go away uh and that was that was for your guys' sake if, if you ever listened to this yeah, too yeah, yeah. so maybe you won't remember so uh but they they abandon them they leave them uh, after he feeds the uh, the five thousand there uh and they're they're offended by by his teaching he's the true manna uh, that they have to. Come to him; they have to believe in him. Uh, so, yeah, you, you see that again and again uh, through through the gospels, through uh, through John. So, believing the signs and the wonders uh, isn't isn't enough. You know, he could be any you know miracle worker. Uh, there are a lot of so called miracle workers, and then you have a lot of prophets uh, that uh, perform great signs and wonders throughout history. But he's not just uh, any other prophet. Uh, in fact, as we'll see, uh, you know, if he doesn't rise from the dead, he'd just be another dead Jewish prophet. He could just be another Moses then. You know, if he if he's just like Moses to to the nth degree, well, he you know he could uh, he could die, not be raised. And so you see, even like in Hebrews, uh, you see all these connections. Yeah, prophet like Moses, but uh, Moses was f- faithful uh, in, in God's house as a servant, uh, but Jesus as a son. And so even, even greater, even superior uh, to Moses and those uh, who came before. He's not just another dead prophet, but he's, he's buried and he's the resurrected, exalted Lord uh, sitting at the right hand of the Father uh, in heaven, reigning over uh, heaven and earth.
2: Now, I had one question because mm-hmm. someone, I was reading that 18 you know, Deuteronomy 18, 18 mm-hmm. and it said, um, you know, I was a prophet he said that mm-hmm. in Hebrew there's no definite article so he said that's he, he interpreted plural mm-hmm. prophets and I was
1: wondering
0: mm-hmm. you know. I, I think that in 18, th- there's a lot Sometime we're going to have to treat it in depth I think if anyone does not point out that you have a discussion of four corporate offices, back to back a judge, king, priest, prophet If they don't point out the connection between Deuteronomy 13 and 18, uh, the test for a true prophet uh, and a false prophet, uh, in contrast, they're not dealing with it fully in context. And so I think what you have in Deuteronomy 18 is you have what's called a generic reference. Uh, And so you speak about, for instance, like in the Constitution, uh, you speak about uh, the uh, president has authority over the executive branch, uh, and that the uh, president uh, shall uh, he shall execute uh, wars, and uh, Congress uh, declare them or give you know consent and such. Uh, and that and now, w- when you're speaking about the president, you can speak about you're speaking about a specific particular uh, person, individual that fulfills an office. But there, we're not speaking about one in- instance. Of a president. You know, we're not speaking about Washington. We're not speaking about Abraham Lincoln. We're not speaking about, uh, you know, Donald Trump right now, who's the current uh, president who holds that office. And so you have something called uh, generic reference where even, like, the deer is a beautiful animal. Now, I'm not talking about a specific instance of a single individual deer who's standing right in front of us. I'm speaking about a specific class of animal. Uh, And so is it gives instructions for all the corporate offices, uh, and it uses the same language for each of them, similar tests, uh, that uh, a king uh, was to be from among their brothers, uh, the, the priest was to be from among their brothers and from the Levites, uh, as was the, uh, the prophet, I'll, I'll raise up a prophet, uh, and he shall be from among your, uh, among your brothers. And it's also contrasted where first you see, you see the example, if you read before that, of a false prophet, not so with you. That's not how it's going to be with, uh, with uh, you and all the divination that they perform and such. But after me, uh, God will uh, raise up a, a prophet like me. Uh, and he goes on to, maybe we can go there very quickly. Uh, it's a good question. Something I don't want to talk about more. And we're also going to connect it though uh, and show how, how it plays out too with, uh, with Jesus because all of these uh, offices uh, is the office of king irrelevant to the Lord Jesus Christ? No. <laughs> no. He establishes the everlasting eternal throne. In fact, in the curses, God says, You and your king will, uh, will be uh, cursed and cast out of the land. Your king's going to be cursed, cast out of the land. And when these things come upon you, they're going to happen. Wait, their king is going to be cursed and cast out of the land and the people? What about what about Judah? What about all these promises? What about the everlasting kingdom, you know, universal for all time over all the earth? Well, by the time you get to Deuteronomy 32, 33, you have Yahweh reigning as king. Yahweh is their king. Yahweh is the only savior. He raises his hand and swears by, by himself uh, that he's he's the only savior. Uh, and he will be king over his people. He will shepherd them. Uh, and so you have these, these contrasts where, yeah, you know, David's incredibly important. And you'll see a lot of these promises partially fulfilled. God's faithful to these promises and throughout the dynasty. But it's expecting so, so, so much, uh, much more. And uh, Yahweh uh, is their king. Uh, and uh, with, the, uh, with the prophet, then connect it to Numbers, it's about 10 through 12. Uh, and uh, deuteronomy uh, thirty four by uh, the very very end of it, uh, and here you see Moses prophet par excellence yep there are many there are many prophets in Israel in Moses day, uh, but uh, Yahweh says of him he's faithful in all my house, I speak with him face to face mouth to mouth uh, and so he speaks about this unique status that he, he's above Aaron. Uh, he's above all the people. He's above Miriam. Uh, and God speaks in, in riddles and parables, you know, to the other prophets. Uh, and then you'll see, like uh, Elijah, he's prophet par excellence in his own day. And you, you have to deal exhaustively with the Old Testament, with the New Testament. It's easy to cherry pick, you know, a few uh, few scriptures uh, but you only get you only get part of it you only see you know a few facets uh, and so you have to deal comprehensively do an exhaustive study about deuteronomy 18 try and trace it through the entire old testament go through elijah's life see how many connections it makes to moses uh, you'll see how he uh, he crosses over uh, the jordan you'll see that like with joshua too the uh, the water will be parted and he crosses over Uh, You'll see where God sustains him in the wilderness, you know, through a miraculous provision of food. Uh, And then you'll see that he'll also, well, you see the signs and wonders, you know, calling fire down upon his enemies uh, in the nation. And there are many prophets, well, many false prophets uh, in in that day. And there were some true prophets, but even uh, one of those ends up uh, disobeying what God told him and gets killed by a lion. Elijah ends up running away after he gets this victory over uh, Jezebel, Ahab's uh, wife, he ends up running away into the wilderness, 40 days, 40, 40 nights, goes to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, two names, same, same mountain, goes up there and God manifests his glory and speaks before him. Oh, <laughs> huh, it sounds like Elisha's kind of like Moses. <laughs> you know, there are all these connections. Go through Elijah and Elisha's life. You'll see this. He was the prophet par excellence in his own day. Now, going to, to Luke, I think Luke chapter 4, and to whom does Jesus connect his ministry uh, when he's at Nazareth? Elijah and Elisha. Well, you know, in uh, Elijah's day, uh, there were many, many widows, but he only healed the uh, Canaanite uh, Sid- Sidonian, uh, the Phoenician uh, widow. And there were uh, there were many lepers in Elisha's day. But uh, Naaman, uh, the uh, Aramean, you know, uh day kind of Syria, uh, the region, uh, he, he only healed uh, that leper, you know, a foreigner, a Gentile. And so he, he's connecting his ministry, not just with Moses, but with Elijah and Elisha. And when he, he goes and raises uh, the son of the widow uh, at, uh, at Nain, Nain was off of the hill of Morah in the Jezreel Valley. It's just southwest of, well, southwest of Galilee, uh, west of the Jordan, uh, Jordan River. And uh, Elisha healed a, a widow's uh, son, as did Elijah? I'm trying to remember. One of them was with Elijah that he was dead. One of them was sick. The other was dead. Uh, but uh, the Shunammite son. Shunamm was right by Nain off of the hill of Morah. And what do the people cry out after Jesus heals the widow's son, uh, who is dead, uh, raises him? Uh, A great prophet has risen among us. <laughs> Elisha did it just right over there. <laughs> and then when he goes on, the, on the, the mountain and manifests his glory, who saw God's glory on Mount Sinai heart? Moses and Elijah. Who appears and sees Jesus' glory and speaks with him? And Elijah. (laughs) The one, he manifested his glory to them previously and now in the incarnation they see his glory and speak with him. And he spoke with them on the mountain. Why is Elijah standing there? Why Moses? Uh, They were kind of a couple of the prophets uh, par excellence. You know, Elijah in his day was He was kind of the prophet like Moses in his day. And as you read in Deuteronomy 18, too, uh, after that, let's go there quickly. And, Jim, uh, what were you going to say?
1: Oh, just that the learned in Jesus' day, who didn't believe, they would ask, who are you? Are you are Eli- Elijah? Yeah. So they yeah, have that yeah, yeah. already built in from their knowledge of
0: exactly. The Scripture. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it's a mix of things.
1: Huh? This verse
0: Where you see, you see um, Moses elevated. So,
1: where is it when... Uh, when they're asked, that when the Jews are yeah, asking, I, I Jesus, "Who are you?" You think they're referring back to this verse? I'm not so much a verse, but to the to the character who has connection to Moses. You know, the, mm-hmm. this, this mountain peak character, of Scripture, and they and they're all. You know, Elisha went up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like he could come back. Yeah. So there's so they Malachi, went, oh. you know. So there, there's this even though they will never believe, they know the scripture well enough that they have, they've got this trembling expectation that something, that is important. And here's this guy, so it rings in their head, well, you, Elisha. You know, like, maybe they're trying to even trap him into lying or
0: something. You know? mm-hmm. anyway. Go to Deuteronomy 13. You know, maybe we'll just spend time on this. Uh, it's a good question. Something I've been want, wanting to address for Uh, for a while anyway, you know, to to look at. So look quickly at 13. And so here, uh, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for Yahweh your God is testing you to know whether you love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You will sh- shall walk after Yahweh your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But uh, that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has taught rebellion against Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery uh, to make you leave the way in which Yahweh your God commanded you to walk, so you shall purge the evil from your midst and then goes on to talk about even if if your brother uh, the son of your mother or your son or your daughter or Or the wife you embrace or the friend who is at your own soul entices uh, you secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods, which uh, neither you nor your fathers have known. uh, Some of the gods of the peoples who are around you, uh, whether near you or far off from you, uh, from the one end of the earth to the other, you shall not yield to, to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him, but you shall kill him. Your hand shall be the first. Part of that even connects with Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace upon mm-hmm. the earth? No, I tell you, but a sword. To divide uh, son from father and mother from daughter and daughter-in-law from mother-in-law. Now they're the ones being put to death, mm-hmm. those who follow Christ. But part of this, he, he's drawing on some of these ideas in, in Deuteronomy. Now they're the ones being put to death for uh, following after Christ like the the prophets and our uh, persecuted or just division within families uh, it doesn't always come uh, come to physical blows or to to death uh, but here you you have uh speaking about a prophet or, or a dreamer of dreams, and a lot of the grammatical issues sometimes people can focus uh how language is taught these days. They don't actually learn to read and listen to Hebrew as Hebrew and Greek as Greek, but they learn about it. It can lead to a lot of lot of problems. But a lot of the same grammatical things, when they talk talk about a profit and then the profit, it's a generic reference that they're speaking about. And so here you have a case, a specific case of a specific class of uh, of uh, people, a kind of person. But this is going to apply uh, throughout uh, throughout history. Uh, and so there can be different expectations and stuff connected uh, connected with it. But here, even if they give a sign or a wonder. Uh, but then, uh, tell you go after other gods. Uh, you shall not be afraid of that that prophet. And then Deuteronomy 18, and after it's already talking about the, the judge, the king, uh, the priest, uh, Levites, and he will use a lot of the same language. he will speak about the king, uh, and you shall uh, you shall uh, only you know uh, take him from from among your brothers. He's to be in Israel. Israelite, not a not a foreigner, uh, and so like with the uh, the judge, uh, and sometimes can speak about uh, like maybe the Levites plural, but a lot of times just singular. You know, speaking about the king, uh, and it, a, a king. You know, you can uh, appoint a king, and then they'll speak about the king and uh, speak about the uh, the judge and the priest uh, throughout. And so you have a lot of the same things going on. And so let's start at well, just at the the beginning of 18th so we at least get some context we won't go through all the, the offices
2: just going to mention I know sometimes God mentions you know something that's going to happen in the future through a prophet and he'll mention you know a first a circumstance that the prophet's talking about mm-hmm. you know, like David is going to reign forever but then he's all you know David never fulfills it so then he goes into
0: he says he, he talks about like his uh, his offspring after him and so this will apply to, to Solomon, to uh, his progeny after him. But then he speaks about how your throne, well, he'll establish, and uh, your throne, your house, your dynasty shall be forever.
2: Speaking
0: about Moses. Oh, Second uh, Samuel 7. So the Davidic covenant. Oh, your house, dear. your throne, your throne, your house, your dynasty gotcha. shall be forever. Now, there are only a couple ways, as D.A. Carson has said, that can happen. Either you have heir after air after air after air You know, only good heirs throughout all history. And wait, didn't he say something about to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I'll give you the land. You'll be a blessing to all nations. You'll, you'll inherit it. Well, they... Inherited the cave of Machpelah in the field of man. <laughs> they got tombs. <laughs> they got tombs. <laughs> I'll give you the land. They didn't receive it. There has to be resurrection. There are expectations that are bigger. A whole lot bigger. They only got a, a small little foretaste uh, of, of the things to come. Hebrews yeah, uh, talks about that too. Yeah. They didn't
2: receive the promises. Yes.
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and he... Uh, And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died, and and he died. And uh, Enoch was not, for God took him. Enoch got different treatment than all the rest. He didn't die. (laughs) Huh. You know, maybe someday he had the tree of life. Maybe maybe someday we might live, you know. Uh, And so you're you're having all these expectations. God's promises and covenants, he can't be true to them if he does not raise Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, from the grave. Uh, and so, yeah, there are expectations that are so grand and so big that yeah you'll see uh David right after uh second Samuel seven, and by the way, so uh, a man after god 's own heart we he sinned with Bathsheba a whole lot of his life, there is great hardship and ruin upon his family, upon his sons, uh being put to death, dying uh hardship for the the kingdom and the nation, Solomon. The wisest man who had ever lived, and the kingdom was divided, in two, falls into idolatry. Well, if the wisest man who had ever lived didn't f- fulfill it all, how how much uh, you know? What what opportunity is there for for the the rest? You know, you have Hezekiah, maybe like Josiah, who is kind of the. Uh, I, I think he he maybe even he maybe even commends them, uh even above his father David. You know these. But he went out to try and stop Pharaoh Nico and put to death. Wow, that oh, you know, you're kind of deflated uh, there, and God said that, yeah, he'd uh, give a, a little respite in his life, but because of their sin and the sin of his father, uh, they're going to go into exile after him. And so uh, if the wisest man who had ever lived, man after God's own heart, uh, uh, Moses who knew God face to face. Moses, 120 years like the flood generation go up on the mountain. You shall not enter the land. You shall, you shall see it, but you shall not enter in. Cut off. So there are greater uh, expect, expectations along the way. You and your king shall be cursed and cast out of the land. And yet, in Deuteronomy, Yahweh is king over his people. And I, I won't apologize for uh, teaching the Old Testament. Talking about uh, Yahweh, well and I mean, there's a whole lot to talk about, like the the anointed, and and now Jesus, he's not just the king, he's he's judge, he's king, he's priest, he's prophet, uh, he's he's shepherd of his people. Uh, Yahweh is the true shepherd uh, and the only faithful shepherd of his people. Uh, all these things apply to to Yahweh you you see throughout, but he's Yahweh. When we're learning about Yahweh, when we're learning about God, uh, the Creator, we're learning about uh, the second person of the Trinity, uh, the Eternal Son, who became incarnate uh, and tabernacled among us. So, uh, the, 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 there's a whole lot of richness uh, to learn about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in in all of Scripture, and we, we don't want to flatten and oversimplify it because uh, we'll we'll miss uh, so much. And so, uh, Deuteronomy uh, 18. Well, here it's uh, still dealing with the. The Levites, uh, the priests, uh, go down to, let's see, verse nine, and so here you have a, a transition now to uh, to discussion of uh, uh, prophet. So when you come into the land that Yahweh your God is giving you, uh, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. Uh, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter is an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to Yahweh. Uh, and because of these abominations, Yahweh your God is driving them out before you, you shall be blameless before Yahweh your God for these nations, uh, which you are about to dispossess. Uh, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, uh, Yahweh your God has not allowed you to do this. Uh, and so here, uh, the contrast of the peoples, here's what they do. Here's who they listen to. Uh, to uh, you, you see all the the divination, uh, looking for secret uh, information and their uh, charms and uh, consulting uh, with the, the dead. And you'll see these things drawn on a lot in Isaiah and uh, the, the various prophets and uh, such in contrast to what God teaches, uh, contrast of uh, a false prophet versus a true prophet, uh, one who doesn't speak for God and one who, uh, who does. And so, uh, just again, verse uh, 13, 14, uh, you shall be blameless before Yahweh your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, uh, Yahweh your God has not allowed you to do this. So in contrast to what they do, uh, Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. Uh, It is to him you shall listen. Uh, Just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And Yahweh said to me, "Uh, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak uh, to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But uh, the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, uh, the same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come about or come true, uh, that is uh, a word, or uh, there's the, the word uh, that uh, Yahweh has not spoken. Uh, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Uh, you shall not be afraid of it. And now look, it's talking about the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Speaking about a, a specific class, and they're going to have to apply this uh, along the way. And you'll see again and again, like in Jeremiah, uh, a major theme, for instance, and throughout scripture, uh, he'll talk about uh, the false prophets. And sometimes you have an individual. Sometimes you'll have multiple. Or uh, you have kind of like corporate reference and such. But he will speak again and again. I did not speak to them. I did not speak to that prophet. Uh, but uh, they, uh, they spoke in vain. They spoke of their own imaginations. Uh, they spoke... Uh, they had a, a, a thought or a vision and they, they attributed it to me. I did not speak to that prophet. Uh, again and again, he'll denounce the false prophets. But you, Jeremiah, go uh, go uh, and say say to the people. Uh, and so you have contrast with Jeremiah, true prophet, and uh, the false prophets. Uh, along the way, in giving you saying, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks the name of, uh, in the name of other gods, same prophet shall die. Deuteronomy thirteen eighteen were tests that believers, and you even see that uh, they're very much true today. Some differences where we don't put false prophets to death, but they they're applied all the way throughout the entire Old Testament along the way. In uh, how, how you know one who uh, does not speak for God and one who does, and at, at the beginning too of that with uh, Deuteronomy eighteen uh, or uh, with uh, fifteen. Verse 15, uh, Yahweh your God will raise up a, a prophet uh, in contrast to the nations, how they do it. Uh, a prophet like me from among your brothers, uh, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb uh, on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of uh, Yahweh my God. And so he's showing how it was, what he means by it. He's unpacking, giving an example. Uh, is to him you shall listen just as. So here's an example. Here's a comparison. Uh, just as you desired uh, Yahweh your God at Horeb, Mount Sinai, and God spoke directly to them, the Ten Commandments, Ten Words, on the day of the assembly when you said, let let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God uh, or see the, this great fire anymore lest I die. They didn't want to hear from God directly. And Yahweh said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. He will not speak directly to the people, but he speaks through his prophet. Uh, And he spoke through Moses in Moses' day. And Moses was the prophet par excellence in his own day. Uh, He'll speak through Samuel. He'll speak through Elijah. Elisha was the prophet par excellence in uh, his own day. You see many prophets, but they're not on the level of Elijah you don't see all the, the connections uh, to Moses as in uh, Elijah's day. And so you see these contrasts, true prophet, a false prophet, the true pr- prophet, the false prophet, one who speaks for God, one who doesn't uh, connect with Deuteronomy 13. And you have very similar language, uh, for instance, uh, judge and for king, the king, he'll speak about the king uh, along the way. But sometimes there are certain things you might not want to apply to Jesus, like we'll talk about uh you know, when he's disobedient or <laughs> kind of like with uh, in Second Samuel 7, uh, that when he disobeys, he'll uh, discipline him with the rod, rod of men and the strokes of men. But unlike Saul, um, that he will not do it as a son, but he will not remove his kingdom. And so even he even with Solomon's sin, he leaves a lamp for David, a lantern, you know, along along the way. Uh, and so he's faithful uh, to his promises. So you'll have this either generic or corporate reference. And we'll be seeing that like with the offspring of the serpent and the offspring of the woman, uh, this corporate reference with grand expectations. And you'll see it can be applied to different individuals, sometimes to collectives. But then uh, penultimately, uh, Jesus is the head of a new humanity. And just look quickly at Deuteronomy or I mean, Numbers twelve, and so with Moses, you see, Moses—he's not just like other other prophets. Even where Joseph becomes vice regent or viceroy to Pharaoh, Moses is raised above Pharaoh, and you shall be as God to Aaron, and Aaron shall be your prophet, and uh, you shall be—you shall be God to Pharaoh. Now. He's not the one true living creator God, but as uh, God is God to to Moses, he puts Moses over Pharaoh. Uh, uh, Pharaoh and the people bow down to Moses and to the Israelites, to the the people, because he humbles them. And so uh, Aaron and Miriam uh, speak against him. Uh, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has Yahweh indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Oh yes, he has. <laughs> They're knocking Moses down a notch and raising themselves up. We're not—we're not any less than Moses. You know, we speak for we. God spoken through us too. Well, uh, Miriam's even called a prophetess. Exodus fifteen, mm-hmm. the 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 song that they sing on the Exodus. In uh, the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek. More than all people who are on the face of the earth. And suddenly Yahweh said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out and Yahweh came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam and they came forward. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, Yahweh, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of Yahweh. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of Yahweh was kindled against them and he departed. So there's your ordinary run-of-the-mill prophet. Yeah, maybe a vision, maybe a dream. You know, riddles, uh, not so clear, but with Moses, mouth to mouth, face to face, he speaks with him. He's, he's faithful in all my house. So, and, we,
1: so we shouldn't feel so bad about not being able to understand Isaiah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he does, he, he, he does call, for, call for understanding, but yeah, you know, if, uh, if you have a hard heart, it's very easy to just, you know, dismiss. <laughs> now, Deuteronomy 34 So Moses dies, he's cut off, buried. No one knows the place of his burial to this day. In verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. It's God's spirit. He laid his hands on him. And even that, you're going to see the prophet like Moses with uh, Joshua. But, but look at this. Uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as Yahweh had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom Yahweh knew face to face, a nun like him for all the signs and the wonders that Yahweh sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Now, can't really get into it. Uh, There was a lot of discussion about when was this capstone after Moses' death written? Was it written by Joshua? Was it written by uh, with the the, the Levites, uh, Phinehas, Eleazar, uh, Samuel? So you know there there kind of discussion there. Where where's this cutoff point where where it was written? Some think that maybe it was kind of a capstone where you, you had the Torah, but then maybe you had someone like. Uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, kind of weaving together the whole Tanakh. Uh, maybe have the capstone there or so. You know, there, there's kind of discussion, but here you see kind of this uh, exaltation, the level of, of Moses. <laughs> very high bar set. Very, very high. <laughs> uh, way, way up there. Uh, and so you see the standard uh, for these corporate offices, but then as you read like in Malachi, where... He'll talk about, he'll talk about uh, the, uh, the one who's to come. He's saying a, a prophet to prepare the way for Yahweh. But then you have Yahweh who's going to come and appear to his temple. And then he'll talk about Elijah. And then later you have Elijah. There a couple few people who speak for God there. <laughs> and Yahweh himself is going to come to his temple. And what do we just see? Jesus came to the temple. <laughs> I meant to, uh, to raise that. So I'm glad, you know, I kind of thought about connecting it with Malachi. And so there's still expectations. By the time you get after the time of Elijah, Elisha, all the prophets, Malachi, God's not done speaking yet. And so there, there's still expectations. There are expectations for the kingship. Uh, just because Samson was judge doesn't mean the office of judge is irrelevant to Jesus. Uh, you, you can't you can't uh, disconnect them. Now priest Levite, there's some differences there. He's a priest after the order of Melchizedek, but he's going to establish Zadok. That's part of the promises too. He's going to establish the Levites in in his millennial kingdom, and so the scope is bigger. So uh, you, you'll have these sort of tensions where. Yep, you know, king's going to be exalted uh, in Judah and such. And yet at the same time, you and your king are going to be cursed and cast out of the land. Well, how's all that going to work? Only well, Yahweh can fulfill it. So he kind of layers uh, things in, into expectations uh, throughout uh, Scripture. There's always bigger expectations. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that since we're out of time uh, next week. And you see that some of that kind of in uh, Isaiah Government shall be on his shoulders. Then later, you hear talk about Shebna and the head of the house, and uh, he's going to cast him away, and uh, and then he'll put the, the government on his shoulders. And like, whoa, it sounds like he's <laughs> he's directly quoting from what Isaiah earlier had, and with Hezekiah. And then the whole, you know, peg in his house will collapse and fall. And uh, and Hezekiah, yeah, he his life 15 years, but live and reign forever. <laughs> Faithfulness, but the expectations are even bigger. So, uh, I think that's part of it. Cor- corporate solidarity, generic reference, uh, you know, corporate offices, uh, sometimes. But then you have expectations that are paired with it that no one individual can fully li- live up to them. And then Jesus, you see, the New Testament authors don't selectively cherry pick the New Testament because they connect His ministry to Elijah and Elisha, especially Elijah in Moses. And some of the other uh, prophets too, along the way, uh, showing that I saw someone speaking about that he continues, he picks up the prophetic office, but kind of on a whole, whole, whole new new level. And then he sends his apostles and prophets and even believers to to proclaim the truth, uphold the faith uh, once for all uh, delivered to the the saints. So, well, let's close in prayer. Good, good question. You know. Big, uh, but uh, very relevant. So, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your Word and uh, thank you for your Son, uh, for sending Him, uh, the One who uh, existed uh, as God and uh, with God, uh, with with You, uh, the Father, for for all eternity, and that You sent Your Son uh, to take on flesh and dwell among us, and uh, truly He is only the the perfectly just judge and uh, righteous king uh, and uh, holy priest and faithful uh, prophet for for all time. And so uh, we thank you for him. We thank you for his faithfulness and pray that uh, all of your uh, promises and uh, covenants and blessings would uh, would all uh, be fulfilled and uh, come true uh, in your son. And so we look forward to His return and uh, pray in His name. Amen.